Welcome to the Think Christian Podcast, where we talk about faith and pop culture, because there's no such thing as secular. I'm Josh Larson, your host and senior producer at thinkchristian.net. On our previous episode of the TC Podcast, we celebrated the best music of 2023. Now, it's TV's turn. Whether you streamed it on your laptop during lunch breaks or watched it on your phone, maybe while doing the dishes, or I don't know, maybe you still sit on the couch, streaming series were likely a big part of your life last year. On this episode, J.R. Forresteros, Joe George, and Sarah Welch Larson are going to join me to talk about a few of the best. Listener Ron Mangum is going to get us started, however. He emailed us at tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net to share his pick, Lawmen Bass Reeves. Ron wrote this. I have to say, Lawmen Bass Reeves is the best show on TV. Produced and starring David Oyelowo, it's about the first black U.S. marshal. It tells the story of a lawman who uses Christian principles in his work, a good man to his wife who tries to redeem some of his captors by preaching to them the good news. I admire Oyelowo because of his strong faith in God, and I try to follow his example in the acting projects I do. Jesus first in all you do. The series has heavy Christian themes in it thanks to Oyelowo, and the acting and cast is top-notch. I highly recommend it to anyone, Christian and non-Christian, a most excellent show. Thanks, Ron. Lawman Bass Reeves is available on Paramount+. Plus. We'll get to some other listener picks at the end of this episode. For now, let's bring on JR, Joe, and Sarah to share their favorites. Well, pulling me away from the last few episodes ever of The Crown is JR Forsteros, Joe George, and Sarah Welch Larson. They're here to talk appropriately the best TV of 2023. We won't be touching on The Crown. Uh, I'd encourage you to read Kate Myrick's piece on this final season over at thinkchristian.net. She's been our Crown correspondent for a couple of years now. But the winding down of that series after six seasons, you guys, it did it did bring a question to mind. I want to throw it at the three of you here before we get into our TV picks. Once you've invested a certain amount of time into a series, do you feel the need to complete it no matter what? Or are you fine, you know, if it starts to take a bad turn or you're just not on board anymore, are you fine bailing even if you have spent a few years watching it? And, and I should say, I've mostly enjoyed The Crown, so this isn't a reflection of that show. But just in general, you know, being six years in, and I, I've, I've kind of been thinking about this, how our commitment is now in a world where there are so many series to choose from, just more mm. coming at us every day. I'm wondering what that, how that commitment looks like for each of you. So, so Joe, I think I saw you nodding uh, at one point. Um, do, you ha- do you have a clear strategy for something like this? I do in the sense that if it's between, I I won't drop in the middle of a season, especially if it's something like my wife is invested into and that becomes, you know, a a thing that we do together. But between seasons, if it loses me, then yeah. And it's usually never like I'm done with this show forever unless it's like The Walking Dead. I had a, I had a clear like, (laughs) okay, they did an episode without zombies and it's like, what are you people doing? Your characters are terrible. (laughs) I'm only watching this episode for the, or the show for the zombies. Um, but usually it's not that usually it's just, it pops back on like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we'll get around to that. Okay. Gotcha. Fair. 
I, I like that. That makes sense. How about you, Sarah? I'm bad enough at TV that usually when I commit to a TV show, I'm committed to the TV show, but occasionally I'll drop something and then I'll remember that it's come back and then think I should get around to that again. And then I never get around to it, which is how I stepped out on Doctor Who, unfortunately. But I hear that Doctor Who is good oh, again. So it may be time to come back. Excellent. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. And JR, what's what's your take on this? Yeah, I, I too was going to answer in units of Walking Dead that I quit. But uh, <laughs> it, I, there's too, as you said, Josh, there is too much good TV out there to give up on. And we're not only living in the golden age of prestige television, we're living in the golden age of TV show recap articles. Mm -hmm. And so if I am finding myself, like Joe said, kind of lagging on a show or not wanting to go back to it, I'll just go and read a couple of recaps and see you like, will. is it, is it, it, were my senses correct? Is it sort of persisting or maybe I need to get back in? And then if I quit a show, like again with Walking Dead, I'll just continue to beat that dead horse, uh, undead horse. I'll just read recaps, you know, and read the, the season uh, premiere recap, read the season finale recap discover I'm still not missing anything and be happy with my life. Choices. I don't, I don't know why that, that strikes me as some sort of violation. I can't, <laughs> I can't get with that. <laughs> Listen, if the show I'm, pr I'm pretty trusting. I'll try just about anything. <laughs> and if the, show, yeah. if the show loses my trust, mm. sorry, mm -hmm. it it's, it's lucky. I'm even giving it recap traffic. You probably are maybe the most voracious among us. And now I see how you do it. So mm -hmm. I see it would, it would involve I'm, some strategizing like that. Incredibly mercenary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our picks uh, for best TV of this past year. And let's start with you, JR. You're bringing jury duty yes. to the table. Uh, this show available via Amazon Freebie. I mean, speaking to the, the, the wealth of streaming options, yeah. I think this is the first I even heard of this. But the show is jury duty. And I was happy. Uh, to see you pick this, JR, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I just loved it too. I have to thank my wife, Debbie, for for this one. She started it on her own and then pulled me in, just you know, knew it would be my kind of thing. So, so I jumped in a little late. And then shortly after finishing the season, this was about a month or so ago, I was actually selected to serve on a jury for a couple of days. Amazing. <laughs> right? Right? So I definitely had that experience filtered through the show. I'll get to jury duty story time, but first, JR, <laughs> tell me tell me why this show connected with you. So for those who are unaware, jury duty is a mockumentary show about the, a jury trial. Uh, the, the gag of it is, though, that every single person from the judge and the bailiff to 11 of the jurors to all of the people on both sides of the plaintiff and defense, everyone is an actor except for one guy on the jury who thinks it is a real thing. And the, the situations they put him in are amazing. Uh, James Marsden plays himself who is the whole reason the jury ends up getting sequestered is because he thinks if he can get the paparazzi there, they will excuse him from the trial because he's convinced he's going to be in Quentin Tarantino's new movie. And that backfires. The judge decides, oh, well, because it's getting all this media attention, we'll sequester the jury. So they all end up trapped together. And it it's just amazing. I think in large, I mean, the conceit is, is genius, but the guy that they selected as the mark is such a genuinely kind guy. Mm -hmm. And so with everything that 
that quote unquote goes wrong. Obviously it's all scripted to go wrong, but every, every obstacle that they encounter, he repeatedly responds in ways that are charming and felt very earnest. You know, I, I could not stop laughing during this show. And, and it also was really, really feel good. So yeah, I loved it. Ronald Gladden is is the guy's name who I believe he understands that the jury or the trial is being filmed for some right. sort of documentary purposes. But as you said, JR, as far as he knows, everyone involved is legit and they are definitely not. And it is hysterical, the fun that these actors have improvising with him. But what really struck me as this went on is the nature and the character of Ronald and such a sweetheart is the only thing I can think of, the word to describe him. And, you know, maybe a term that we could bring to this is Christ-like servant, but that if that's too strong for you or loaded, maybe maybe think about instead, you know, think of Jesus' words in Mark 10, right? This is after listening to James and John asked to be placed at his right hand, at his left hand. This causes a whole stir among the disciples. And Jesus responds, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And so this is where we point to for this Christian Christian notion of servant leadership. And I think this is what Ronald carries here because he is the foreperson. He is <laughs> responsible to a degree for how this group conducts itself, this increasingly unhinged group of people. <laughs> and yet he doesn't get frustrated with them. He guides them along the right path. He has their best interests at heart. I mean, the various ways he meets these people's individual quirks without judgment, with caring, it's astonishing in this day and age to watch someone act this way towards other people. I'll just say it. I mean, we're not, we're, we're not used to seeing this on social media, uh, you know, on clips, video clips. We're just not used to seeing it. And man, did I fail this show. I'll try to keep this brief, but my jury duty, I had seen Ronald. I knew how you should do it. I was only on for two days. I think you guys probably know me well enough by now is, is that like being taken away from the stuff I want to get done in a day is going to drive me nuts, right? I thought for sure I wouldn't get picked. I did. And here I'm thinking, be Ronald. Just be Ronald, okay? I did not last an hour. It was we, part of the problem was the other people I was on. They were so happy to be there. Like they wanted to be sequestered. They were begging to be sequestered because they thought they were on a TV show. And here I'm just like, let's do our jobs. Let's be, you know, clinical about this. Do, do you know, take in all the facts, make a decision and go home. I, I even had someone, you know, at some point we had all seemed to arrive at a decision and someone was like, yeah, but if we, if we give our decision now, we'll miss out on the free dinner. Oh, no. I'm telling you guys, like, I, Ronald just left my body at that point. <laughs> and I, I offered this person, I was like, I will buy you dinner if that's what you're in it for. <laughs> like, so, yeah, if, if that sequestering option that happens in this show had been proposed to me, I probably would have lost my mind. I'm not proud of any of this. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that it's, it's more remarkable to me how Ronald Gladden that, that's what I was himself. Say. Yeah, you went in having had this whole show experience to sort of exactly. prep you, and even still, you even couldn't still, get there. Yeah. Even still, I failed. The, the, the situations that they came up with were so hilarious and absurd. Yeah, yes. I did wonder 
how I, I mean, I didn't wonder. I knew that I would not have responded as gracefully and graciously as he did mm. uh, well more than half the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just unbelievable. I and think you would, I'm pretty sure you would have been, you would have done better than me, JR. But uh. <laughs> I think it's worth noting too, though, that Ronald's a reluctant for a person. Like he explicitly tells someone that he doesn't want to do it early on. And then when he's selected, he, he goes along with it because he feels that he has to. And he definitely steps up towards the end, but it's not something that he had in mind for himself either. So key, Sarah. I'll, I'll just say we had a very eager four-person on my <laughs> <laughs> on my jury. Um, what, what do you think, Joe? Or do you have other jury duty stories to share, perhaps? I have been denied for, do, for doing jury duty twice now. They must mm. read my articles online. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, they, I, I, I. I'm so sorry, guys. I could not get into the show. This is oh, no. such a nightmare for me that I oh, couldn't boy. separate the anxiety <laughs> of being the only person who doesn't know they're in a TV show. I, mm. I, I made it like 15, one episode maybe, and I was, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I can't deny any of it. And maybe there's an angel's unaware <laughs> lesson here for me, <laughs> but that's terrifying. I can't, yeah. I can't get it farther as far as. You guys got. I'm so sorry. You know what? That's to that's totally <laughs> fair. And and I think the sh I think one thing that is good about the show, though, if you do stick with it, is it does move beyond that concept. But it's but its initial premise is absolutely cringe <laughs> comedy, and there are moments yeah. that operate on that level. And and you do wonder, at least I did, if they had gotten someone whose character was more like mine or Josh's. Uh, <laughs> you know what what they would have done with the show, right? right? Would they have because it could have played out in a way where we ended up laughing at him. Yes. Whereas again, I think especially the way the big reveal in the final episode, like it's so warm and wonderful mm -hmm. because of who he is. And I mean, they could not have done that if I had been the main person, you know? And there's so uh, many different ways that the show could have gone wrong. And I kept wondering, is it is this going to be the moment that this goes yep. off the rails? Is this going to be the moment that this goes off the rails? And I was enjoying the comedy a lot more than I actually expected to. So I started the show thinking like, there's no way I'm going to make it through this. And then it and mm. it did end up winning me over. But there were moments where I said, one, this this kind of goes beyond belief. And two, what would they have done if Ronald had behaved any differently in this particular situation as well? So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I can't imagine doing another season of this that perhaps they've already announced one. I'm sure they'll probably try. But the genius of it was in the casting director, whoever it was who interviewed him and realized that these qualities would hopefully come to the fore. Um, mm -hmm. cause that's what makes it, that's what makes it really special. I think. Mm -hmm. All right. So that was jury duty. Let's go to Sarah's pick next. And Sarah, you know, when it comes to anime, I have, I have some experience with feature films, you know, Hayao Miyazaki, of course, who returned with the boy and the heron, last year, but also someone like Makato Shinkai, whose Suzume was another great film from 2023. But I will admit, anime series, it's been harder for me to keep up with. I'm trying. I'm trying. I watched Netflix's live action One Piece in 2023, which introduced me to the long-running anime series on which it's based. And listeners can check out an earlier episode of the podcast where Claude Acho and Abiel Chessy discussed One Piece with me. But your pick for this show, Sarah, Trigun Stampede, yes. completely new to me. So, <laughs> so tell me what it's all about, what you loved about it. 
Oh my gosh. So Trigun Stampede is actually a remake of a very well-loved classic uh, TV, anime TV um, series from 1998. So Trigun's been around kind of in the anime watching cultural consciousness for a very long time. And the original Trigun casts a very long shadow. Basic premise of the show is kind of a sci-fi Western humanity has crash landed on a desert planet and they're just barely scraping out an existence if you like anything like Dune or Firefly, there's definitely going to be something there for you. But the thing that makes Trigun so special is its main character, who has the very improbable name of Vash the Stampede. Um, <laughs> he's a tall, blonde character with wacky hair and a really cool red overcoat and a rogues gallery that just defies description. They're all very colorful and they're all after him for reasons that the show gets into a little bit later on. And Vash also happens to be the best sharpshooter on a planet full of gunslingers. But the thing that sets him apart is that he is a dyed-in-the-wool pacifist, and he is completely committed to his moral ideals and to the ideals that people deserve love, they deserve respect, and they deserve justice. And he's going to go about getting that for them in the most nonviolent way possible even though he's better at shooting his gun than literally anybody else on the planet around him. Um, and so this show I found to be particularly special because it's not just a bog standard remake of the 1998 Trigun. It's a complete reimagining. And it's one that takes the manga into account as well and remixes it in a way that's both true to the story and true to the characters, but takes the plot in a completely different direction. I had a rough idea of where it was going as I was watching it, but I didn't know how it was going to get there. And so some of the joy was the joy of discovery and watching these characters grow in a way that I was kind of expecting them to, but also watching them behave in a way that I hadn't really ever expected to see them do before. And in a way that's actually a little bit more true to the manga than the original anime show is. So I loved it. I'm actually kind of delighted because when I first got into it, um, I texted Joe and JR and said, you guys got to watch this show. So I'm glad that I have a captive audience here about it now. Oh, perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah. JR, where, where are you with anime? And then it sounds like you, you did have a chance to check this series out. No, so I haven't gotten to watch it yet because okay. I was busy binging Blue Eye Samurai, which oh, was my favorite anime of of the sure, year. So, sure. Uh, like you, Josh, I just have a toe in the pool, okay. and I'm afraid of how deep it is uh, because I know that once you dive in, you never come back up. So, yes, uh, it does yeah. seem that way. <laughs> Joe, are you familiar with Trigun? I know of it. I did not watch it. I am so bad because. I can't get into anime. I have tried mm. and my entire family loves anime. And I did wake up this morning sobbing because of the boy and the heron again, mm. which I watched oh. days ago. Oh, <laughs> and, so good. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I could not, my, my wife started watching it and I had to walk away from it for a second. And then I came back and she's like on, you know, eight episodes in. So <laughs> You've been left behind very quickly. I mean, that's, that's fine. Cause the rest of my family has decided they will not watch anime with me because I cannot get on the wavelength with it. So it, it's a very frenetic register, I think. And yeah. Trigun follows that, especially because the main character who is appears to be calm, cool, and collected when you first meet him, very quickly reveals himself to also be a complete fool. And um, a jokester, a trickster, he, he spouts puns constantly, which I personally love quite a bit. <laughs> um, 
But one of the best parts about him is that that's kind of his armor against the hardness of the world is that he presents this soft exterior, which causes people to underestimate him. And then when he does reveal himself to be, you know, the good in a crisis kind of person that he is, that that jokester, like trickster version of him is still a very important and integral part of his personality and his being. But that does also mean that there's a lot of shouting in this particular show. So if shouty anime is not your thing, this one probably won't be either. And then the other thing that's weird about this specific show is that it's animated entirely in CGI, which I personally have a really difficult time getting into when it comes to anime. I much prefer hand-drawn when I can help it. The thing that won me over was the action sequences just blow the original show completely out of the water because mm. they actually have the budget to be able to animate them properly. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. So for those who are intrigued but are new to this, like the three of us, it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. where would you find Trigun Stampede? Uh, it's available on Crunchyroll. So if you have a Crunchyroll account, you can definitely stream it there. I've watched both the dub and the sub, and both are quite good. Uh, Mm. Don't come at me, people who are (laughs) sub only. Um, Another selling point for the dub, if you have watched the original Trigun, is that they actually bring back Johnny Young Bosch, who voiced the character in the original version for uh, for this iteration of the show as well. All right. Very cool. Uh, Josh, I think it's also on Hulu, uh, if I'm not Oh, it is. Wonderful. Oh, nice. Okay. Another option there. Great. If you're not subscribed to Crunchyroll, because maybe like me, you, you haven't. You're not an anime person yet, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and that is one thing. I, I found like sometimes it takes a little extra work to figure out which which way to mm-hmm. to watch some of this anime. But hopefully, Sarah, you've turned some new folks on to giving it giving it a try. Come talk to me about it. I would love to yell about this show with more people. <laughs> Just not dub go. sub, right? Add or about it. <laughs> yeah. Let's else. leave that. Leave we'll that, leave that aside. One out of the equation for sure. <laughs> So that brings us to Joe, who I promise does like some TV. And that's I do. What he's on, he's <laughs> I do. On, and I've watched all of this show that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and it's have. not a Star Trek show. I know. I know. We're, we're mixing it up for Joe a little There's bit. There's a here. Star Trek connection, though, JR. <laughs> of course, there's a Star Trek connection to everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think, Joe, your pick is is just more evidence that time has become meaningless post-pandemic. Because to me, I would have said this came out years ago, but no, in fact, it debuted January, 2023 mm-hmm. on Peacock. The series is Poker Face. So yeah. obviously a lot of shows came out after that, but here the year has been wrapped up. It remains one of your favorites. So yeah, tell absolutely. us why. Oh, well, so Poker Face is created by Ryan Johnson, the excellent director behind Last Jedi and Glass Onion, Knives Out, and a great TV director, because I do know TV too. He directed the uh, Bug episode of Breaking Bad, for example, one of the best of that series. And it follows Tasha Leone as Charlie Kale, who is a woman who is the human lie detector. So whenever anybody lies around her, she recognizes immediately and almost reflexively says, a BS, I will say. Um, and it's there is an overarching narrative about her on the run from a mobster played by Ron Perlman and his right-hand man played by Benjamin Bratt. But most of it functions as a weekly mystery show isn't quite right, a, a weekly <laughs> murder show, a weekly crime show, in which each week we are introduced to a new milieu, a new set of characters, And we spend the first 20 minutes of the episode watching how the murder happens. And then we jump back and watch Charlie arrive in this group and kind of ingratiate herself 
And then at some point, just when she's feeling like she can let her guard down, somebody lies to her and she gets caught up in this larger uh, complication. And it is, I mean, it, it is a wonderful, it's a treat for anybody who enjoys character actors because every episode is just yeah. full of that, guys, including episode eight, which has animation by Phil Tippett. And the yes. victim is played by Tim Russ, a.k.a. Tuvok from uh, Star Trek Voyager. So there it I'm is. Thrilled to see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just all sorts of wonderful character actors in it. And it's one of the things that I really appreciated about the show is that even though there is an overarching narrative, it is more or less weekly. You come in, you're going to watch one episode. It's going to be a full story, 45 minutes. None of this. I mean, I love Twin Peaks, the return, but none of this 16 hour movie sort of nonsense. You know, it's, it's an actual TV show and it's so refreshing to kind of, and it dropped once a week. So you knew like at seven o'clock on Wednesday, I don't remember what day it was just, like in the good old days, you know, you get home from Wednesday youth group or whatever, and you come and sit down, and you're going to watch your show before bed. It's, and it stays it's, off your lawn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. Sarah, back in the day, this is how we used to do things. Don't remind I know. Us. I was a huge Lost fan, and Lost okay. was appointment television for me. So. Yeah. And it did. Yep. Lost function that way. See, see yeah. I was thinking Magnum PI, but yeah, I could have said Lost. <laughs> <laughs> and not dated myself quite so much. I enjoyed that element too, though, Joe, of having the self-contained episodes. It was a throwback. I'm not saying every show should be like that, but it just, it was refreshing to have it uh, come as a, just a little surprise mm -hmm. each week for that time. And Natasha Leone's performance, this character she's created, so unique. And that's actually the aspect that um, Julia Rourke focused on at thinkchristian.net. She wrote about uh, the show as well for us. And, and she compared Charlie to, uh, I think she described them as the quietly instrumental women of the mm -hmm. Bible. So she pulled out a couple of uh, female figures from scripture and uh, talked about how they were underestimated yet used by God in crucial ways. Just wanted to share a bit of a bit of that piece. Julia wrote this, for Christians, the character of Charlie brings to mind similar insignificant women found in scripture, such as Rahab, Hagar, and Mary, mother of Jesus. These figures lived in unextraordinary places and were deemed unimportant in society, yet found themselves divinely tasked to carry out extraordinary callings. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that parallel that Julia mm -hmm. made. We'll link to that show, or we'll link to that ep uh, article, I should say, in the show notes for this episode. Um, but yeah, this was a great way to kick off TV for 2023. Uh, Sarah, I think you went for Poker Face too, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I didn't even have to wait until episode four, which I think is the one where John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats is one yes. of the guest stars. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it, for sure. Yeah, it's that show was such a delight, especially turning it on every episode and seeing like, what's the new setting? Who are the mm -hmm. new um, guest stars? Um, I actually looked up the list of guest stars this evening just to take a look and see if there was anybody that I had forgotten. Hong Chow plays a truck mm -hmm. driver in yes. an early episode. Oh, that was so great. <laughs> and then Charles Melton is in it now. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's now one of the like lead <gasps> oh, actors du jour. Yeah, he plays yeah. a race car driver. And I had completely forgotten, like I, I had oh, not clocked wow. that it was him, but it's a really great part for him as well. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and he's in May December, the Todd yeah. Haynes film, and possibly outacts Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. I don't know. Oh, I think so. Yeah. He's great. He's great. He's but fantastic. Yeah. 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 Jared, what did you make of Poker Face? Everything everyone has already said. Uh, just mark it down in my column as well. 
I think what I appreciated about it was that in almost every episode, if not every episode, the lie that someone tells that sets Charlie off is never something interesting or huge. It's never like hmm. she sets everyone down in a room and says, all right, did you murder him? Yes or no? Yes or no? You know, it's, it's yeah. not, she doesn't use her talent to, to investigate. It's always like they just make some kind of little small white lie. And she goes, what, like, why would they lie about that? Hmm. Right? Like, like that's so weird. And then that's what always pulls her in. And again, I just love, I think a lot of what that says about integrity you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I love that she is also not she's not a cop. Uh, mm-hmm. She's not even a particularly I mean, she has, uh, I guess, in D&D, we would call her chaotic good, right? Like she definitely oh, yeah. follows a moral code, but mm-hmm. it's 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 it has a very distant relationship with what's legal, you know? Right. And, and so it's yeah, it's not like she's some kind of moral exemplar that society would hold up or anything like that. She just has to know the truth and she does have this sense of you know when people are lying for no good reason that probably means there's a reason we don't know yeah. and then yeah she goes to uncover and ends up you know bringing justice to places where justice often doesn't bother to show up you know so i just thought it was a great show uh, again the the sort of colombo model where you know you know the crime from the beginning, right? So it's not a who done it; it's more the uh, how, how are they going to get caught, right? Mm. And and so yeah, where you have you have a sitcom length worth of episode where you're just watching a story happen before the main character of the show even is in it, you know? At least uh, visibly. Again, I think part of the fun is when the camera swings around on Charlie and you see where she was yeah. in the yep. episode, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was it was incredibly clever, so well made watching Ryan Johnson do this show in and around knives out and glass onion was a blast. I'm a sucker for a good mystery anyway. So yeah, mm-hmm. this, this just ticked a lot of boxes for me. Production mm-hmm. values, acting, like everything about it yep. was just totally great. I want to, I want to jump on something there, JR and throw it to another seventies TV show. So we can be <laughs> old here for a bit. Definitely the Columbo <laughs> thing. But for me, there's also a little bit of a, uh, the incredible Hulk thing. Yeah. Because She's looking for, she's not looking to save the day whenever she enters on these places. She's looking for a home. She just wants to stop and rest. Mm-hmm. And it's often, it's often, I mean, she is a figure of justice. That's the, the, the sort of the Christian uh, uh, angle that really jumps out for me is the way that justice comes even in unexpected ways, even when you think it's not going to be there for a person, it, it shows up. But she's not a crusader. She's she's looking for home. And there's there's more than one episode where she thinks that she's found it. And somebody that she likes and starts to trust lies to her. And Natasha Leone is so good at playing that disappointment of, yeah. I'm, I've got to do this. Mm. And here we go, you know. Yeah, I like how you describe that, Joe. I can picture her face right now mm-hmm. as you're saying that. Disappointment is the exact word. And it's... It's, it's, it's disappointment in that, you know, she's annoyed because now she knows she's got to get involved, but there's a larger disappointment you're speaking to. It's like, I thought I found a place Mm -hmm. that was maybe working as well as a place can work in this sort of world. And no, I've just found another place that has brokenness in it. Mm. And, um, to your point, JR, the phrase you used, I like was pulled in and then she gets pulled in. You're right, Joe, not a crusader, but she knows 
I can make this world a little bit better yes. because of, I don't know if she looks at it as a gift, but you know, this, this gift that I've been given and, and does go about making a little bit better. So, so yeah, yeah. She's just so great in the show. Mm-hmm. I find it really striking that all three of the shows that we've brought to this episode are shows that are about justice that revolve around kind mm-hmm. of a reluctant justice doer with a very strong moral backbone. Um, and that also all happen to have really good set and costume design. I think all of them do. Um, so just some really interesting connective tissue for the ones that we've pulled out here. I like that. Yeah. And, and, the, and the costume design in jury duty may be a little more basic than the others, but it's <laughs> but in it's terms convincing. of getting those, yeah, in, in terms of getting those characters to have their own distinct personalities as everyday people, you, it's crucial. I don't know how you're going to call the cyborg. Uh, pedestrian josh like that costume design was pretty incredible oh the juror with the mechanical parts he wears and and and, you know just another example of ronald like not even doing really a double take or or just like which all of us probably would but just meeting him where he's at with all his cyborg paraphernalia yeah his portable seat Oh, just killed me. Like, so and, and you're right. The way Ronald just is like, okay, man, like he, <laughs> like he's not hurting anyone. You right, know? Like, yes. So like what? Fine. You know? Oh, so good. Well, those uh, are our three picks. Any, anything we left on the table among those? I love Sarah, your connection, anything else you wanted to add or, or Joe or JR before we move away from TV for a bit. All right, think- let's. I think Sorry. Joe Go might ahead, have the best pick just because all of us love it universally. <laughs> yeah, mm. but that doesn't count because I was the grouch so that couldn't get through the other two. So, <laughs> you know what, Joe? You made a strong comeback. Let's just, okay. let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, there we go. I'd say take go. the W. Yeah. Yep. There okay. you go. I'll take it. Well, I did want to sprinkle in some quick, real quick, non TV favorites from 2023. So, so I want to hear from each of you a movie, maybe, or, or even some music if you want to go that route that you, did love last year. Uh, Joe, let's stick with you. Uh, what do you want to throw out there? So my favorite movie of the year um, is one that I, I'm not hearing getting talked about a lot. And that's uh, Perfect Days. The Vin Vendors uh, movie is just gorgeous. It is It is several days in the life of a nondescript Japanese janitor. And the movie just kind of follows basically his routine where he wakes up, gets dressed, Goes, goes and does his job, has dinner at a restaurant, goes home and reads Faulkner at first, and then uh, various other authors. He's re- reading Patricia Highsmith by the end of it. And that sounds dull, but first of all, Vendors is picking up just luxuriating in all of these public spaces, these beautiful public restrooms <laughs> around mm-hmm. Tokyo, but they are gorgeous, uh, even before he starts cleaning them. And then little small moments of connection and drama and there's a little bit of familial drama in it and all of it is being handled by uh the lead actor who is in every scene named uh koji yakusho and it's he has the most amazing face where it's just the camera's just holding on his face and little sorrow little joy little bits that he just plays so quietly he has maybe five lines in the entire movie it's it's such a moving in, in a year that's had a lot of really great blockbusters. This one's kind of risen to the top for me as just a reminder of 
what cinema can do on a small scale um, mm. uh, as well. So please, and then check that it big out. explosion at the end, right? <laughs> What's that? The big explosion at the end really just like clenches it for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the second best Japanese movie this year is Godzilla minus one. So, <laughs> so maybe little, they a little bit more explosions. <laughs> that one, I imagine. You're shaming me, Joe, because uh, you know, knowing this comes from Vin Vendor's Wings of Desire, Paris, Texas, his earlier films. Uh, it was literally before the deadlines hit for my voting for the Chicago film yeah. critics and, and other and top 10 lists and that it was literally the next movie I meant to watch. And then, you know what happened? Jury duty. So, <laughs> so that's, yeah. So I, I'm going to use that as an excuse. Oh yeah. Uh, Sarah, how about you? What'd you want to throw out there as a quick pick? Mine's another small movie from a little bit earlier in this year. Um, it's Kelly Reichardt's Showing Up, which mm. is about a ceramic artist who is spending a last frantic week trying to put together um, the rest of her art show that she'll be putting on. And that sounds stressful, and it sort of is because real life keeps interfering with her artistic routine. Um, but Reichardt films a lot of the action and the interactions with a level of grace that the main character, who's played by Michelle Williams, is too stressed to be able to extend to other people herself. And yet the movie is still full of that grace and that love for artistic practice, for the people that we run into in our ordinary lives. It's a really lovely movie. And I think it has a lot on its mind about the balance between work and calling and art and engaging in art and then also having to just deal with the inconvenience of, of other people. And it's just so beautifully done and beautifully told. And Hong Chao is one of the supporting players in there as well. And I, I love seeing her in just about anything, but I really love her in this. So yeah, showing up by Kelly Reichardt from earlier this year. It's so good. And, and maybe it's inevitable that this movie about quiet works of art has somehow gotten forgotten at the end of the year. I haven't seen it on a lot of top 10 lists. I didn't put it on mine as much as I liked it. And Sarah, thank you for giving, you know, a, a quick summary of the Think Christian piece that I wanted to write and never got around to <laughs> about, about the grace extended at the final show, her art show in mm. this movie, which I won't spoil, but as you've hinted at, she's a very difficult character and somewhat like Ronald in Jury Duty, how she is received by her community despite all her difficulties it works on similar lines. So, so yeah, showing up, it's a great one. Uh, one more, JR, what do you got for us? Oh, mine is the one that I know that probably topped all of our top 10 lists this year, of course, is uh, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Um, no, <laughs> just right. kidding, just kidding. I would never do that. I would never do that. That did come um, out, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it comes out, I think, <laughs> tomorrow as of the time we're recording. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, so I don't really, I, I don't write about music. I don't feel like equipped, really. I don't have the, the aesthetic language to do that, but an album that I just cannot get out of my head and cannot quit listening to this year is Olivia Rodrigo's Guts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, man, it is such a smart album. Uh, it is all about her sort of taking aim at the expectations put on particularly young women in our culture. And wow, the way she wields uh, irony and the way she wields sarcasm and the way she... Uh, mixes between ballads and then like the real poppy stuff. I just, I think it's really incredible. And I think it's one of the most punk rock things I've heard in a long time. Uh, I mean, she has, I, I don't know if any of you caught her performance on SNL, uh, but she did the title track and it was, 
yeah, it was it was not subtle, uh, at, but we don't live in subtle times, right? So, uh, it, it I love that album. I'm so impressed by it. I can't believe uh, she's 19, you know, and writing music of this caliber. It's just amazing. So, it is it is probably one of the albums that pops in my head. The songs pop in my head just out of nowhere. And if you if I had told you that would happen last year. If someone had told yeah. me that that was going to happen for me, you know, in 2022, I never would have guessed it. I mean, the, there are a couple of songs here that are just so funny um, as well, navigating these really tricky topics, um, but incredibly funny. So I second that. And we actually I do have want, a Think Christian piece uh, on this album. Yeah, Rachel Science. Yeah, I was just going to shout that out. Terrific, good, good. terrific article. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She's our social media specialist, actually. And every once in a while, we get her to write for us. And so, yeah, she wrote a, a great piece on Olivia Rodrigo's album. So thank you all. Those were some nice additions at the last minute. And I, I like the TV picks as well. Before we go here, maybe share a little bit what each of you are up to in 2024 that maybe listeners should be looking for or something that's out there right now you want to point them to. But uh, JR, what's the year ahead looking like for you? Well, I jumped back on the newsletter wagon. I haven't had a newsletter for four years, but uh, you know, Sarah moved over to a newsletter and Josh moved into a newsletter and Joe, I keep hoping we'll do one. Um, that you're doing your Instagram stuff. So I like that too. But yeah, so I'm, I'm on Substack with basically everyone else who's not blogging and just newslettering now. And yeah, started with some end of the year roundups. I'm also writing about a lot of the changes that we're doing at our church to kind of, we're like kind of doing a radical reinvention of our, our worship model. So I'm mm -hmm. writing about some of the, the big philosophical and theological questions we're engaging, but also some of the real practical, like how and why questions uh, yeah. So if people want to join nice. me over there, just find me. I'm JR Forstero. Sounds everywhere, you know, but even Substack. Okay, great. Sounds great. Thank you. Sarah, how about you? Um, well, JR mentioned it. I co-write the Seeing and Believing newsletter, formerly a podcast uh, with Kevin McLenathan, another fellow Chicago film critic. Um, and as of the time of this coming out, I believe our top 10 lists will have dropped. So you can check that out over there. That's uh, seeingandbelieving.substack.com. Love it. Good stuff you're doing there, Sarah. I appreciate that. And Joe, what's 2024 looking like for you? I'm around. Um, they, you know, <laughs> <laughs> generally not writing about Vin Vendor's stuff, but if you like superheroes, sci-fi, horror, all that stuff, you can find me at Joe Wright's Wards everywhere. My my book, The Superpowers and the Glory, The Theology of Superhero Movies, if you do not have superhero fatigue, uh, maybe check that out. But uh, that's the, my socials is the best place to find me. And I'm always publishing something stupid there. <laughs> <laughs> well, despite all the self-deprecation there, uh, Superpowers and the Glory is really great. So yeah, if, if no one has checked that, if you haven't checked that out yet, please do. A uh, really good book. Well, thanks again, you three. Uh, we'll do this again in some form at some point in 2024. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Lots of good stuff there from Joe, Sarah, and JR. Here is some more from listeners. Joshua Johnson wrote in to say, the TV show I loved was Beef. That scene in the church during a worship service was incredible. I loved the back and forth. The struggle was real. Such a great show. Here's Daniel Chung, who actually wrote about Beef for us over at thinkchristian.net. So check that out. Here, he's highlighting two other shows that he covered at the website, The Last of Us and Succession. Daniel wrote, Joel and Ellie's relationship in The Last of Us is front and center. 
all the other peripheral characters mirror slash center slash reinforce their relationship dynamics even more. Succession made me care about the livelihood of uber billionaires. Thanks, Daniel. Looking forward to more of your writing in 2024. Three more quick listener picks here. Ed Frunchkowski mentioned from, Francis DeFranco highlighted The Chosen, and Phil Shelley sent in a pick for Yellowstone. Thank you again to everyone who contributed. You can find a master list of all of our TV picks from listeners and the podcast team over at thinkchristian.net. We'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. If you still want to share a pick with us, you can email that or anything about the show to tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter slash X. Just look for us at Think Christian. And if you want to make sure that you don't miss any of the articles that we publish, usually about two a week is what we average, you can subscribe to receive our emails at thinkchristian.net slash subscribe. The Think Christian Podcast is a listener-supported production of Reframe Ministries, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our audio engineer and post-production supervisor is John Reeder, and Reframe's co-director overseeing content strategy is Robin Basslin. I'm Josh Larson. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in about a week or two to celebrate the best movies of 2023 as we continue to connect our pop culture fandom with our faith.